Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love would forgive and let go of wounds past and very old. In the name of compassion and peace, it would let life unfold. So let us learn all there is from love's pure art to embrace its unconditional essence to play our soulful part for in the face of darkness we can choose to let love prevail its radiance glimmer and support a beacon too tough to fail so dear soul when lost in fear and yearning for something new remember what's inside your cosmic heart and ask what would love do Welcome, beautiful beings, to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast with your host, Harrison Ma. This podcast sets the loving intention of creating the mystical space needed to pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. Now let's walk you home to your cosmic spiritual heart space. Good morning, evening, afternoon, my favorite spiritual loving beings. Today's episode is a is a special one, is a, an important one, is a raw and authentic one. I was originally going to re-release this episode as rebroadcast down the track, but I couldn't wait and I wanted to release it as a full episode for you today. As you heard in the intro, this is Healing with Poetry, where I was interviewed and had the pleasure to dive into what it means to connect to my writing process through poetry, how you can do the same. And I also shared some of my poems to help you enlighten and enliven your spiritual cosmic heart space. I hope this expands you today and I'm excited to hear any feedback in any ways it's really helped you heal and connect deeper into your writing process. Enjoy the love. Today we're going to be talking about poetry and his poetry specifically which is incredibly moving. You are along for a really good ride if you're listening. Today, I want to focus on poetry and prose through grief and all the ways in which grief shows up in our lives and Harrison uses poetry. Thank you for being here today. Welcome. I'm so eager to speak with you about your poetry and to hear it live. I'm eager to hear more of that beautiful voice in this confident container that you now have, Claudia. It's so it's so nice to hear you. I was just thinking about the first time we had a chat on your podcast and you were just starting this audio journey and comparing that to now and listening to you beautifully express your container. It's such a privilege to be here with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I want to talk a little bit about my experience of your poems because I follow them online and I follow them word for word because I'm interested in hearing how your experience is evolving. But of course, like all poetry, I'm interested in the resonance that they create. So 
I want to say just for our listeners that the ancient Greeks created the elegy. And that was an ancient form of poetry that was often used to express one's loss uh, or serious reflection. And I've noticed this theme in a lot of Harrison's poems, which is why I've invited you. So from the top, uh, wondering if you could start before we get into any questions by sharing, reading one of your poems with us. I'd love to. And I'll just start by saying, Claudia, that, you know, this poetry, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but this poetry is quite new to me. Like I've only recently been diving deeper into this side of my being. So I guess I'm really, I just want to share some gratitude at the start of this before I get into them for really holding me in this space and everyone tuning in for listening to what these poems are. So the first poem I'm going to share centered around grief, just to give a bit of context with it before I dive into it. I've noticed in my emotional expression on a day-to-day basis towards the end of the day is often when a lot of my shadows, not just grief, but everything else that's heavy in resonance likes to express itself. And that was really the theme and the motivation for writing this poem. So this poem is called Shadows at Night. In the depths of night, when the stars align, my emotional shadows begin to entwine. They creep and crawl from the corners run deep. A haunting chorus in silence they seep. Like phantoms dancing in the moonlight haze, my hidden sorrows emerge from their maze. They whisper softly in voices so low, unveiling secrets that only I know. Each shadow carries a burden I hold. A fragment of my heart with stories untold. They tug at my soul with relentless might as I grapple with memories throughout the night. The shadows of loneliness is one that holds tight. A companion in darkness till morning's early light. It chokes my spirit with a melancholy embrace, leaving me longing for a lover's soft grace. Yet amidst these shadows, a flicker of hope. A glimmer of light that helps me to cope, for in the darkest shadows, courage opens flight, and I find the strength to conquer the night. With each passing hour, the shadows let go, the power diminished as morning sun begins to glow. Mm. I rise with resilience, a warrior anew, holding my shadows in my heart held true, for in their depths lies power and insight. Lessons learned in the depths of midnight. So I'll face my shadows with heartfelt shine, loving their presence as a gift, pure divine. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You've left me speechless. Um, Truly, truly just deep and moving. And tell us a bit about that poem. So, as I alluded to before I started reading it, this has been a phenomena as I have been awakening more to my beautiful, sensitive soul 
this phenomena of nighttime challenges or nighttime shadows or nighttime darkness that arises on an emotional level has been becoming more heightened. And it always, it always leaves me wanting to dive deeper into, you know, understanding it more, right? I would be lying if I said it's becoming easier because I've actually found as I've become, as I said, more sensitive, deeper, darker, heavier shadows come up to be loved and to be seen. But a, one of the remedies I've started to apply to these uh, nighttime shadows, specifically ones around grief, has been alchemizing them in poetry. I've, I've actually written, I would say, 99% of my poems at this moment during the day that this poem talks about. And I do have been doing that for many reasons, but one of the big reasons is to open my heart more to what is happening during this phase of the day. Yeah, I think that's pretty fascinating. And I like the way you put it, which is to be loved and to be seen. That that, that is the reason that, that they are really surfacing within you. And so lyrically, I think, and so naturally, um, is the way that you put them, because I, I, you're, you're not just writing one poem here and or two. I mean, these are really coming out of you in bulk. And we're seeing so much of them online. For those of you listening, I really encourage you. Uh, we'll be plugging uh, his Instagram, Facebook, and all of that toward the end. I encourage you to follow them and read his beautiful poems because what I'm interested in is as you talk about the fragmented heart and you talk about the day and the night, uh, I want to acknowledge something. The first being how incredibly beautiful and important it is that you are sharing here publicly what that process and that experience of grief is for you in that specifically it comes at night. And we get to hear through your poem about that fragmented heart. And now we get to hear a little bit about the alchemy of those feelings in order to rise into being seen and being loved. So as you explain to us this process, take us a little deeper into the time when you're writing. What's going on for you then? I would say a big part of it is the pre-alchemy. <laughs> Ooh, tell us pre, about that. What's the pre-alchemy? The, the pre, the pre-alchemy, because you make it sound, and I know you don't intend this, because you you very much know what this what this work is, Claudia. But I think people listening in could mistakenly hear this idea of emotional alchemy or shadow alchemy as, oh, that sounds that sounds lovely. That sounds it doesn't sound easy, but it does sound like a process that I could do. But what we overlook in that understanding is what are we doing before we even get to that stage? What are, what's happening for the individual soul before they get to that stage of actually alchemizing the shadow into the light and pulling out the gem within the shadow. And for me, that's a big part of my writing process has been really learning to accept and surrender and allow myself to be feeling all the feelings. Mm. And 
And another way I would describe this is when we feel a shadow, a, a heaviness from our past, often it's not just an emotion, right? It's also a story of judgment, unworthiness, guilt, shame, you know, not enoughness, fear. And a lot of my writing process is really just surrendering and accepting myself through that even before I even start to write. And then another stage of it is moving through the stories that exacerbate from there connected to writing itself. And what I mean by that is if you had asked me this time last year, even this time at the start of the year, if I was a poet, if I would be writing anything, I probably would have laughed internally and replied with a very definite no. So it's not just a moving through of stories, general stories of unworthiness. It's also moving through stories connect to the writing process itself of, I can't write, I don't know how to write poems. What is the structure of all this, et cetera? Well, I have to say, you know, you're always 10 steps ahead of me. Part of the intention uh, of the question is really to help people hear and understand how you came into this work and to help people move away from this idea that this has to be your uh, high school, college uh, submission paper where structure, grammar, and punctuation uh, really are going to drive the, the process, but instead to invite a very organic, a very natural process of the way the mind flows creatively and more than creatively in a way that really feeds all of those things that we are talking about yeah. bringing into our feeling of all the feelings. So I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to this idea of, I didn't think I was going to be a writer to becoming a published author mm. and, and truly a real poet. Mm. Yeah. I'm hope, I hope you're letting that sit for a minute. I really do. Cause it's, it's grand mm. and, and taking that into inspiring people to come from a place of letting go of structure in order to use this medium. Mm. Well, I kind of have to, I want to push back a little bit against having to let go of the structure, but let me, I'll come back to that because, because I've found that that's actually been a small key to allowing me to do all this, but I'll come back to that. And I want to speak to the evolution of author and then now, now writing as a poet. I, you know, at the time of this episode release, uh, about a month ago, it's funny, it feels like so much longer, but about a month ago, uh, I released my first book and that whole process was in itself a revelation and a revealing of author, poet, these are labels. And at the end of the day, we decide whether we are worthy to place them on ourselves. But we spend so much time thinking it's the other way around. We spend so much time that we th thinking that there's something outside of us 
that we have to appeal to, that we have to do the thing to then be worthy of putting on the label of author, poet, etc. So for me, a big part of my poetic expression came through the breaking of the illusion that I wasn't a writer or an author full stop, right? And then I just, again, this key of I surrendered and let go. And this, I think, is connected to your question of letting go of structure. Right? I did in this, in this reference, in this context, I did let go. I did surrender of what I think, what I thought I was. And for a moment, gave myself permission to ask what if, what if I could write a book? What if I could publish a book? What if I could write poetry? And it's kind of a trick question here, but it's almost like I created my reality from that perspective, perspective change. Absolutely. And I think, I think that it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there in the way that you do, which is your writing is revealing. It's emotionally laden with absolute truth about who you are. And although we can't decipher all of the stories exactly in your poetry per se, or in in your even in your book because they're really pieces that are there to serve as lessons it's it's not an autobiography there is something incredibly poetic both about your writing now that i think about it and um in your book and yeah. in poetry and and when i when i refer to this idea of structure it's it's not just grammatical it's not yeah. just you know the structure of an elegy it really is the larger structure that you describe, which is what are the labels that we put on ourselves or the ones that we actually won't allow in order to tell our stories. So how might you encourage that vulnerability for someone who really needs to get those feelings out yeah. and, and, and put them somewhere? Yeah. So this is, I'll answer this by going back to what I said before, was alluding to before about pushing back against a little bit of the structure. How I started both the writing process of the book and my poetry was allowing myself to be inspired by the people. And what I mean by that is in the reference of the book, you know, I, I looked at other authors that were doing similar kinds of writings to me, right? Eckhart Tolle, other spiritual leaders that wrote in spiritual ways. I allowed that to be my foundational structure that I felt safe within because I resonated with them and then built from there rather than having to feel like I needed to create something from scratch. And same with poetry, right? Instead of having to reinvent the wheel, I looked at other poets that had similar flows or similar ways of structuring their verses that resonate with me and started with that structure and then added in my unique expression, my unique stories, as you said, my unique frequency. So going back to your question, I think the first place to start in terms of sharing your vulnerabilities and your sensitivities and your emotional heart through specifically poetry is realizing you only need to take one step, right? You only need to 
just start with something. So that could be reading a poetry book and waiting for inspiration to hit. It could be reaching out to a friend who knows how to publish a book, right? It could be whatever it is. It's taking one step and feeling inspired from there. I always go back to the Rumi quote, the way appears once we start to walk it, but we don't walk the way because we feel like we have to know the whole way before we start. You know, beautifully said, and and I want to speak to that a little bit, which is for people that that are interested in journaling and writing and doing it creatively. I, I want to say that there is an, an extra element, which if you're interested in taking that vulnerability for, further in order to feel supported, it's to share that voice with someone who's trusted. If if that happens, then I think that that foundation really can be supported so that that voice is amplified. And I'm wondering if you can talk about some of those supportive voices in your life. Yeah. Well, you're one of them, Claudia. <laughs> but I'll, <laughs> but I'll, I'll speak oh. to I'll speak to the phenomena in general and how it sort of can su- can support someone. I'll I'll share a quote, one of my favorite quotes. See if how fast how fast I can give it up, or I can try and memorize it. But it's from it's from Neville Goddard, and I'll I'll paraphrase it. Your your world is made of two things. It's made of your conception of yourself, and your conceptions you place on other people. Yeah. that are simultaneously not theirs, right? So your world is made of your own conceptions slash stories and the stories that you project onto the people in your world that they're not projecting onto themselves. They're projecting something completely different. And I share that quote from Goddard to highlight the need to have someone in your life to receive your emotional vulnerable expressions. Because if you're like me, you're most likely in the writing process telling yourself stories that aren't true, telling yourself stories that this this poem is horrible, I don't know how to write, this will not impact anyone, this does not even make sense, all these things, where in reality, what you're writing could very well be one of the most impactful things you've ever done. But you won't allow yourself to see that if you're staying in these limiting stories. So what someone outside of you, specifically someone that loves you, that has your best intentions on their heart, they're going to help you see through your shit. They're going to help you come back to what the real reality is. And it's that authentic state of love that you wish to express through the poetry to begin with. Absolutely. In, in, in therapy, we often talk about bringing in the witness. And to your earlier point, uh, the idea of of constructing our reality, that that reality exists based on the way that we've been influenced and the way that we've learned. And once we integrate that reality, it's it becomes the the lenses, the glasses through which we see the world. And it's amazing how when we're grieving, if we bring a witness in, 
to hear us and hold space for that, suddenly, suddenly, the way we were seeing ourselves, that constructed reality begins to shift. It expands. And, and I think it it's such an important piece of the process. And I think that we're wired for connection, as everybody says. So this doesn't have to be a process of isolation only. There's another element, which is you take it to the next level, which is you put these out um, publicly for others to read. And the fascinating thing I want to ask you about that is that people, when they read poetry or they hear an elegy through music as well, they project their story onto what they're reading and their interpretation. And I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to how sharing your own process is gifting that frequency that you refer to. Mm. Well, I think the first thing I've noticed in terms of how people are responding to the poems is they feel that resonance of love behind it, right? It's, you said it at the start. These, the, any, this applies to any creative act, but let's just keep it within the poetry lens. When we write something, especially if it's within this creative conversation, whether we are conscious of it or not, we are channeling our unique frequency into those words. And then when we put it out there in the public and people pick up on that and read it, like I said, that frequency will hit them. But then in terms of how it impacts their lives and shifts them, I mean, I've seen, so far I've seen the full spectrum, right? I've seen people that have aligned with the deepest intention of what the poem is saying. I've also seen people that have gone off in a totally other different direction, both positive and negative. And all is welcome because this frequency that I channel into these poems in the deepest view of it, it is spirit. Mm. And that spirit moving through me and then being picked up by the person that's reading the poem has, has a mission that will always be beyond what I, as the mind, as the individual, could ever perceive it to be. So who am I as the individual? to put a box on that. Who am I as the individual writing the poem to be like, no, it has to be interpreted this way or that way. What I do when I write these poems is, and then I post them, I just release it with an open heart and know that what, however it's going to be received and interpreted and acted upon if that happens is for that person's highest good. Amazing. Really, really amazing. Because that really, I think, helps us to see the entire process through into that alchemy. Mm-hmm. And you said something that I don't want to spend too much time on, but I want to make sure we address that is really important. I put it out there with an open heart and I receive 
all. Hmm. And that's fascinating because here you are channeling your pain through this beautiful lyrical pouring out of spirit within you. So it does two things, right? One, you're processing. The other piece is this is your divine connection. You Mm. have found a way of doing that. And then you share it with the world. Mm. And then you welcome all. So there are two parts to that. I don't want to spend too much time on the first one, but I want you to address it for our listeners because I love working with writers. And this is a huge question that comes up. Welcoming all includes people who will have reactive, negative uh, comments or experiences or reactions. And I've, I've seen how beautifully you respond, but I'd like you to talk about that a little bit and share it with our listeners and what impact it has on you. Yeah. I appreciate you understanding that the, the final version of it, the impact on me, but I'll, I'll speak about it in all layers. So, you know, another version of this is just for people that, you know, aren't writing yet or are not poets. This phenomena would be as as simple as getting any kind of troll comment or negative comment on a social media post, right? I think we've all experienced this, whether we are writing poetry or not, we've all experienced this, this flood of negativity towards us. And we've all been given the opportunity to make a choice how we are going to respond to that. And I say respond very intentionally. So when you respond, as you're saying, as I do, I'm not perfect at this, but 99% of the time I try and do this. When I respond with love to that negativity, the first thing it's doing with the open heart is it's planting a seed, right? When we're, when, when we're in reaction, let's, let's, take, let's embody that person for a second, and they're reacting to our content. They're being triggered, right? Their shadow is coming up. We will experience this. So when we respond to that with our love, they're not seeing it in the moment, but we're planting a seed of love that they may feel into later, right? And I've experienced that, right? I've reacted and then a day later, an hour later, however long, I've thought about the thing that that person said. So it's a seed of love that you will never underestimate how how much potential that has for change in them. But what you are alluding to that I want to speak to is the biggest part of this is when we respond to an external piece of negativity with love that we are being triggered by, which most of the time we are, right? I, I get triggered by the negative comments. As, as, as amazing as I am, I'm still human. I get triggered by all the negative comments. When I respond with love to that negative comment to that external person, what I'm doing at the, at the deepest of levels is I'm also giving myself love. Specifically, I'm giving the piece of me that's reacting to that negativity love, right? I'm opening my heart externally to the world to say I am open to loving all that comes at me. But what I'm deeply and most fundamentally doing is I'm saying that to myself. I'm saying, going back to my poem at the start, I'm opening my heart 
with unconditional love to all the shadows in whatever form they take. So beautiful. So beautiful, Harrison. And and for all our writers and aspiring writers out there who have that internal critical voice, let alone let alone, right, the external commenters uh, who are there. I think that oftentimes there's a barrier that keeps them from putting out their process because it is so blocked by these potential uh, people who will bring up that trigger. I love that you said it gives you the opportunity to lovingly respond to that part of yourself that is injured by the comment. So I want to validate for a minute the incredible insight of that response for people because it's really, really profound. And I'm hoping you can speak to our writers and aspiring writers about not just responding to that when they feel blocked, but in the second part of this, by by negative comments, but in the second part of this, to aspiring writers and experienced writers who are keeping themselves from manifesting that incredible next piece of work. They are procrastinating, they are putting it off because of all of these potential critical voices. How do you love into that? Mm-hmm. It's funny, this this was coming through even before you started talking about it. So I think I feel I know that this is the answer here. A part of it is realizing that you are on no time frame. You are on no expected outcome. And what I mean by this is when I haven't done the thing in terms of writing it or producing it and getting it out there into the world because of those fears of negativity, when I've given it love and worked out what is the deepest fear here, one of the deepest fears is worrying that I'm going to do the thing wrong and then it's going to take me two steps backwards. I'm going to do the thing wrong and I'm not going to get to this perceived destination an outcome in the time frame that I perceive to be correct. So one of the solutions here is to remind yourself to drop into your heart. This is what I do personally. And just be really honest and ask yourself, does your deepest essence, spirit, divinity, source, higher power, whatever you want to call it, does it exist in time? Does it exist in a space where time is relevant? whenever I ask that question, the answer is no, right? There is no, the deeper you go into your awakening path in general, but let's stick within creativity and connecting to your heart. Deeper you go, the more time becomes a non-conversation. So one of the solutions to this block is you're not judged. There's no time frame. You have nothing to prove. So taking a step and doing the thing there's, there's nothing outside of you that's ticking a box if you'll get it wrong or right. Oh, I love that. I mean, there's the writer's permission. There's, there is the poetic expression truly 
of of the writer's permission that that there is timelessness available to you through that deepened path work. So let it all pour out, invite it, invite it. You know, that reminds me, um, this beautiful spiritual teacher, and and I had him on the podcast, Sarjeet Dagar, he, he said something so incredible that I use all the time. He said, when, when a lot of us are trying to avoid that next uh, negative experience in our lives, right? Whether in this context, it could be um, the rejection or the criticism or, or the inability to complete a work. And you did something really beautiful here. You said it doesn't have to be outcome oriented in order to begin. That is a phenomenal tip. And yeah. Sarjeet added something really powerful that I want to bring here. He said, rather than wait for the next conflict, I'm riding the good wave and, and I'm paraphrasing Sarjeet if you're listening, but rather than ride the next wave of good until to prepare yourself for the next negative thing, he said, I welcome it all. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring me bring me the lessons. And I think if you can, you can embrace that because the lessons are coming no matter what, right? If you can embrace those lessons into that piece of your poetic expression and your writing, wow, the whole world opens up. Let, can I take this further? Yes, please. Because this, this embracing of the lessons, this is actually a teaching, a, a a lesson in itself that was deepened uh, in my world very recently. I think I shared this with you. I um, had some, I did have some negativity come in, not just, not from my poetry, but from my book. And I, I spoke to a, a mentor in my world. Some people might be familiar with uh, Neil Donald Walsh. He wrote Conversations with God and uh, many other spiritual books. And he shared to me this understanding that especially within the spiritual world and the spiritual community, if you're writing poetry, any sort of creative work, you don't just want to embrace the negativity or the pain that comes in. You want to invite it. You want to, you want to hope for it because as we've all experienced, as I have personally experienced my biggest spiritual awakenings, my biggest expansions of my consciousness have come from the things that have triggered and wounded me the most. So as a creative individual, if we are putting a poem out there into the world and it is receiving all of this negativity and shadow being projected onto us, we're doing the work. We're doing the role, one of the main roles that our creative expression is meant to be doing. Wow. I love every aspect uh, of that answer, that invitation to really do our work uh, is to me so incredibly courageous. Honestly, it's courageous. And yet, and yet, if you're going to want to have a conscious path, that invitation and hoping for it really invites what you do well. And, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping before we go into another poem and, and begin to wrap up, it's what you do really well. It's you allow your heart to be broken. Mm -hmm. 
in order to experience that your heart is open. Mm. Can you share a little bit about that break, what it's like, how you deal with it outside Mm. of writing? Mm. So outside of writing, yeah. Because writing is a big part of it, as I explained earlier with the shadows at night, right? That was that's been a big part of big part of those shadows at night has come from heartbreak in my experience. But outside of writing, I mean, there's so many, so many things I do because this is <laughs> really my world, as you said. The first thing <laughs> is I use an affirmation. To say I use it daily is understating it. I would say I use it hourly <laughs> because as I alluded to earlier, my awakening path has has been accompanied with more and more sensitivity. And the affirmation is what would love do. And this affirmation, what it gives us is another choice to make. In my experience, heartache, heart pain, grief, as the example here today, in many ways can be broken down into fear, fear of something, right? There's always a fear of something in there. And when we honestly ask the question within that heartbreak, you know, what is going on? In many ways, we are giving ourselves permission to become the fear, right? To become the thing that we're fearful of. We, 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 we then, as we talked about at the start of this episode, we then see the world, see the world through this lens of fear. And then it exacerbates, right? The pain, the grief, the anger, whatever heaviness that we are moving through, it exacerbates because we've become it. So this affirmation of what we'd love to, it in many ways works as a lantern in the night that reminds us of the other choice that we always have, right? The other choice to pick love. And very practically what this looks like is in the moment where, I'll just be super raw and give an example, in the moment where we might have sent the text message to that person that is, is accompanied with all this fear consciousness, we, ask the, we use the affirmation what we'd love to, it doesn't send that text. Right? It doesn't write that message. It doesn't express and project. It accepts, it forgives, it let goes, it, it lets go, it surrenders. Mm. So, I mean, there are many other practices I could give, but that, that practice and that affirmation and that embodiment of love, if you can get that down, it will shift your reality. Wow. So what would love do as your lantern of light Mm. in the night. Mm. There's another poem prompt. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) It sure is. But, but I love, I love not only how you summarize it. I really love the emotion that comes through in the way that you share it, because I'm hoping that for those listening and maybe for some viewing that you really get to see Harrison in this moment, just really shining through that heart space with all of that emotion in such a passionate and authentic way. 
and um, inviting that through this conversation, which I deeply honor. So on that note, um, with deep gratitude, would you please lead us into another poem? So I'm going to, I'm going to change plans here on the whim. Okay. Cause I, cause I was going to share, I had a poem I had in mind that I actually specifically wrote this morning for this recording, <laughs> but, but, uh, based off what we, we just talked about around that affirmation, I want to share a poem connected to that affirmation. Cause I feel like it will really cement this practice even further. So <laughs> this poem is called, what would love to in this earthly 3d dimension where hearts and souls converge, where emotions move and express and all our passions want to surge. A question lingers softly, confident and divinely true when stuck in my deepest fear, what would love to for love is the beacon in the darkest of darkest nights, a force that propels me forward, inspires and ignites. It whispers from grace and oneness with a tender, courageous plea. Embrace compassion and acceptance and set your heart free. Love would mend the broken, heal all from attack. Embrace all the lost souls, no matter what's paid back. It would bridge the gaps that divide, created from all this confusion, with relentless understanding, empathy, and created loving fusion. Love would kindle vibrant flames, inspire our cosmic dreams, illuminate paths with hope, allowing all that wants to gleam. It would shelter fragile hearts from gashes and deep, deep pain, nurturing growth and abundance like gentle drops of rain. Love would listen and hold space with an open caressing ear to all the tales, joy and bliss, including the cries of fear. Love would forgive and let go of wounds past and very old. In the name of compassion and peace, it would let life unfold. So let us learn all there is from love's pure art to embrace its unconditional essence, to play our soulful part. For in the face of darkness, we can choose to let love prevail. It's radiance, glimmer and support, a beacon too tough to fail. So dear soul, when lost in fear and yearning for something new, remember what's inside your cosmic heart and ask what would love do? Oh, Harrison. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, incredible solace that is offered through that incredibly beautiful poem. And there's another piece for our listeners here, which is you've answered what love would do. And I, I, I just want to share that poem far and wide because I think there are so many people that are grieving through many things in their lives. And it isn't just about having to write, it's about reading poetry as well, allowing yourself to experience it, not having to have the correct interpretation of it, 
but simply to enjoy it, to experience whatever is offered in its intention, to bring your own intention to it, and to let it be lovingly. So thank you for that amazing gift uh, that you've shared here today. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Any gifts of inspiration or perhaps any questions that you would like answered for you? Hmm. Well, I mean, I'd love to speak to you quickly as we finish, you know, what you just said around the poetic, the poetic act being the permission to emote and just to place this out there in the world for all of the people listening that want to write poetry, that want to lean in and are still very new to it, but also wish to heal as we've been talking about in many ways. It doesn't even need to be seen by the world for it to do that act. And what I mean by this is it's not just the writing I've experienced as I just read that poem. It's not just the writing of the poem that is an emotional release and emotional alchemy, as we've discussed. It's also when you allow that expression to move through your voice and you reread the frequency that you've transmitted because, and this is a test in itself, how you know that you're writing something from a divine source, your deepest source, is if when you reread what you wrote and you have that emotional reaction or you have a expansion or you have a release or you have a, a permission to express, then not only does it tell you it's coming from a higher source within you, but it does the thing that you want, right? Whether it's crying, whether it's you know letting go, acceptance, surrender, compassion, maybe some anger moves. So I just... I wanted to share as we finish, even if you share none of your poetry with the world, that is not needed to get the healing process out of it if you desire it. Thank you for saying that. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I think that path can be so individually honored. That said, I am so grateful that you were sharing that process here with us and with me today so that we can all receive um, the gifts that you offer through your own personal path of healing. So on, on that note, I would like to invite you to share the poem that you intended mm -hmm. for this morning and this process so that we honor this in full circle. I was waiting for you to ask. I guess you're going to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just want to share a little bit around this poem first, because I, I think the context, while we are all individual around how we'll interpret the poem, right, as we've expressed today, I do think we are human beings that we open our hearts to stories, right? So if there's context and story to the writing process, it uh, helps us go deeper. So this this uh, poem was connected to this theme of grief that we're talking about today. And one of the stimulants and triggers of grief that I've noticed in my world is when I have unconsciously projected 
my way of loving onto another person and then attached my sense of worth to that expectation that they are going to love me the same as I love them, that they are going to, that they are going to hold me in the same way that I hold them in my love. And when they didn't do that, grief was the very least of the things that it brought up. <laughs> so this poem is called Unique Way of Loving. In a, in a world adorned with love's sweet symphony, I stand proud embracing my own melody. For my way of loving is unique, all to me, a soothing blanket woven with soulful authenticity. I love like gentle whispers a Gaia's, of Gaia's own breeze, softly caressing hearts, not waiting for a please. In peaceful moments, I offer solace and beautiful divine grace, a sanctuary where souls can find their rightful, peaceful place. I love like the radiant colors of a new rising sun, painting the sky freely, yet only just begun. With vibrant definitions, I illuminate the path, guiding hearts through darkness with a childlike laugh. I love like a river flowing with no restriction, with depths unknown and mysteries awaiting pure divine distinction. I love like a wildfire, fierce and untamed, igniting all hearts, leaving nothing unclaimed. With a burning intensity, I'll want it all and consume. Despite the love differences in others, I'll forever be in bloom. I love like a poet with words as my graceful art, crafting verses with resonance, leaving awakening in my part. With metaphors and phrases, I'll emote and express. The depths of love's essence are my priceless finesse. For my way of loving will be forever unique to me. And I'm proud of its beauty for all the world to see. So let those marvel at love's grand array. Embrace your own expression and love your own way. For in this cosmic dance of love's endless flight, your special way of loving will be your shining gift so bright. I love it so much. I do. Thank you. That is so incredibly, incredibly beautiful. And, and I want to just take a minute to really acknowledge the depth of you claiming the uniqueness of how fiercely you love. And I really want to call that out to you as your friend and colleague and all the things that we get to do together in our lives. Um, loving in a fierce and untamed way takes incredible amounts of courage. And it is unique because so many of us are bound by the ways in which we've been told to love. And you give yourself there. 
and gift us in return this amazing permission to fully express, not by the rules, not by the games, not by the social mores of how love should be expressed, but by intensely, fiercely, wildly being all of who we are and loving ourselves through that and finding a partner who loves that back. So thank you for allowing me to be your spiritual partner this morning to be a witness to your process. I love you, my friend, as always. It's such a blissful, peaceful experience being held. So I receive all the love, but this is a beautiful dance. So thank you for being the mirror and the partner that you are. Can't wait to do it again. You too. My love to you. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gained value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify star feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.